This is the After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Hey, 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 there's only one person who could make a Mark Thompson interview end on time, and that is Kim McAllister. That's right. Well, with help from Albert, I have to say, he was really good at transitioning everything. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Welcome to the After Party Live. Welcome. Thank you to the Dodge guy who jumped in with a $5 super sticker in After Hours trading yesterday. Thank you, Dodge guy. We appreciate you, the Dodge guy. And thank you to everyone else who contributes to the show. Find us, uh, our PayPal information in the show description. And then, of course, the super chats and super stickers are live. You know what I wanted to tell you about? And I didn't get much of a chance to talk about it on the Mark Thompson show is that um, one of the Smothers brothers has passed away. Tommy Smothers. Yeah, he's the one on the left. Um, He He was like the, the goofier one. Yeah, he was 86 years old. Oh, wow. He had a uh, had battle with cancer, and he he passed away. His brother um, said he's forever grateful that they got to spend so much yeah. time together. Did they live in Sonoma County? They did. They also lived in the Santa Cruz Mountains for a time, so they were Bay mm. Area local. They were canceled by CBS in 1969 over what some have called their tendency to make fun of people in power. And mm. according to the executive director for the National Comedy Center, uh, Tommy, they say, is a pioneer, was a pioneer, who helped pave the way for Saturday Night Live, The Daily Show, and today's late night shows as well. So pioneering duo and, of course, Tommy on the left has passed away at the age of 86. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I remember them on, they had the specials during the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the specials on TV. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I remember too. So well, I wanted to to say that. I know starting out with a death isn't exactly party like, but I wanted to make sure we well, got. It seems to, that. to be your job this week is to be the. Oh, thank you. Yeah, bringing us down, bringing everybody. How about some beavers? What? Be a uh, beavers or beavers? Beavers. Oh, beavers! Yeah, we have a we have a beaver packed. We're packed beaver heavy. Beaver segment. <laughs> you ready for our first our first Just beaver? Sounds wrong. Yes, this is a huge beaver. This is a Tell pretty big beaver. beaver. Look at that beave. It was a Tennessee hospital that ended up having to call for help when a huge beaver. Oh, they didn't deliver the beaver into the hospital. Yeah. No, <laughs> and the beaver took shelter under a hospital piano. The police department in Bartlett, Tennessee, posted on Facebook that officers were called to the St. Francis Hospital on Christmas Day, where there was just a big old beaver wandering around inside the hospital. I like that it found the piano. It's like, I'm a natural entertainer, everyone. That's right. (laughs) Officers find the beaver, uh, found the beaver hiding under the piano in a hospital lounge. Police wrote, beaver was probably looking to nom nom a Christmas tree. The beaver was not injured and was returned to the wild. So happy ending for that beaver. Yeah, so we it looks like we have beaver, beaver fever. Beaver fever. Uh, this, this next story is uh, from Phoenix. Residents in the Phoenix area have noticed an increase in sightings of some unusual guests. We had that that beaver that was, wasn't it in a, like a storm drain or a storm mm-hmm. channel? Was that in the South Bay? Do you remember that? I don't White, know Alaska. where exactly. Was it, it was somewhere, Menlo Park? I don't somewhere, know. Yeah, yeah. In, somewhere in the South Bay or mm-hmm. further. Um, well, this is uh, an area of uh, Phoenix, a neighborhood called Arcadia. So apparently... What you need to know is that Arcadia is a like a nicer neighborhood with like nice restaurants. Sure. Um, and they make reference to that in the video here. But we have the full uh, TV report and um, you'll see the elements of the uh, you'll notice the elements of the TV report that I find amusing. Here we go. It's been a busy few days for this wandering beaver. But once a beaver makes it into a, a canal like the one near 44th Street in Osborne, there's no food in there for them. So when they get hungry, they will emerge from the water and look for food. You know, uh, I, when I want some food, I go to Arcadia. They have some amazing restaurants down there. So <laughs> it's not the first beaver sighting in the area. What are you doing here in Arcadia? Melissa Murray, who lives just a few blocks north of Osborne, captured this video of a pair of beavers in her backyard doing what beavers do best. The beaver that was just rescued is actually the third beaver in our rehab facility right now. One of the rescued beavers is Fern. Unable to be released into the wild, 
Fern is now a resident here at the Conservation Center. So the vet techs say he looks pretty fine. He's got regular amounts of energy, he's eating well, uh, he's swimming around in his little tub in our rehab area. So he's doing great. It's likely that he's fine. And likely that this guy will be back home for the holidays. Those beavers are big, aren't they? Oh boy. Pretty crazy, huh, Jonathan? We were saying that they have great taste. Bougie beavers. They should sure do. Yeah. Healthy's Kitchen, Buck and Ryder, Hillstone in the Arcadia area. We understand. Yeah, we understand. <laughs> All right, Tram, thank you. Bougie beavers. <laughs> That's right, Kim. Uh, I just love that I edited that that story down from like it was like two and a half minutes. So I usually edit um, the stories down, but they um everyone who was interviewed in that story was like name dropping their own neighborhood. It would kind of be like, I'm from Marin. I'm from Arcadia. I don't know why the beavers are here in Arcadia. Hey beaver, why are you here in Arcadia? <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty cute beavers though. They're big. Yeah. Big beavers. Yeah, that's beavers. what she said on the thing. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll move on to ducklings because they're so cute. Unfortunately, uh, 11 of them had to be rescued. They fell through a storm grate right into a drain. So, of course, the police in Texas were called out. Look how cute. <laughs> little teeny tiny little duckling. The League City Police Department officers responded to a report of ducklings trapped in a storm drain they arrived to find these little tiny birdies wandered further into the drain and they were no longer in sight the mama duck actually assisted the officers by calling her ducklings back to the opening uh, the officers were then able to block the ducklings from wandering off again and one officer actually descended into the drain to lift the birds to safety isn't that sweet? And then he gave them back to their mama after he manhandled it there, and they all wandered <laughs> away again. Yeah. He manhandled and it. All's well uh, that ends well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it looks like the the juvenile beaver story that we did, it was Palo Alto. Matadero it was a Palo Alto. Creek, Palo Alto, yeah. My bad. If, Menlo if Park, Palo Alto. Of, you know. Well, I thought it was further south, but if you're keeping mm. track for the beavers, if you're like plotting them out, um, there you go. <laughs> Uh, our next story is very biblical. You ready for it's it? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's all about Moses' parting of the Red Sea. Mm. Apparently, it may not have been a miracle after all. Meteorological what? phenomenon yeah, could be behind the parting of the Red Sea, which allowed Moses to help the Israelites escape the Egyptians. A study suggests, these study people are very thorough. <sighs> Rebecca Garrett and Rikesh Kunverji uh, students from the University of uh, Leicester's School of Biological Sciences argue that there were four natural occurrences which could account for the drying of the area. Negative surges, eastern winds, tidal surges, and Rossby waves may have caused a resurgence of water large enough to enable crossing on foot. Writing in the Journal of Interdisciplinary Topics, that's a really good one, the pair conclude, investigating into the methods in which the waters may have receded, Allowing Moses to cross safely may be dependent on having perfect conditions, but are still physically feasible events. Hmm. Uh, the phenomena are known to be notoriously unpredict unpredictable and can lead to chaotic chains of events leading to extreme phenomena, uh, which may have been viewed by bystanders as a parting of the sea. Whether a miraculous act of God or due to some of the unlikely coincidental phenomenon discussed in the paper, the chance of parting is not zero. Um, so the parting of the Red Sea appears in the book of Exodus, which describes how Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and uh, the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. You know, Moses is like, come on, guys, like, it's the one thing I really get a lot of credit for. Right? <laughs> really? You can take this from me? Um, they call the phenomenon a wind set down in which a uh, particularly strong and persistent wind can lower water levels in one area while causing water to build up. Uh, downward so it just uh, so happened when he raised his hand so yeah right. come on well or somebody you know made up that story not that it's... stories in the bible are made up but maybe somebody made up that story perhaps let's talk about the world's largest rubik's cube what yeah. you know what they have a lot of things going on in dubai that's true we yeah. already said yesterday that it's one of the top locations to visit in 2024 in february right yeah, February. just don't go, February. don't go in August. Well, Unless Dubai, you feel like a rotisserie chicken. Oh, no. Dubai Knowledge Park celebrated its 20th anniversary by creating the world's largest Rubik's Cube. Mm. 
This park is home to 700 schools and other educational institutions. You don't seem very they, impressed. Well, they actually built a functioning puzzle cube measuring 9.8 feet on each side. I mean, if that's the world's largest Rubik's cube, I think we can do better. That's oh, not wow. very big. Oh. Right? Isn't it mean it's 10 feet tall? I, that's Jesus fine. Jesus Christ. You can you do you can not the whip miracle it around you were looking for try to solve it, but you can't twist it all the different ways. So what's the point? I don't oh, know. Oh, it only goes sideways? Well, you can't because of of the way it's stacked in the you can't move the bottom and turn it around or twist it. Right? So you would um, only twist it. Says it says that or you're just assuming that? Well, I'm assuming because look at well, how it's assuming. on the base. They said it well, it, it probably turns. It's got gears and whatnot. Mm, I mean, highly, otherwise it wouldn't be a Rubik's cube, Kim. Highly unlikely. Oh, that, I don't think so. Mm, yeah, or I guess you could use the whip too, because it is the Middle East. <laughs> it it weighs more than six hundred sixty pounds. Yeah, I think you so need to do some research because I, I you couldn't I really they, pick it up and twist it. I don't think they would claim it's the world's largest Rubik's cube if it only. Well, look at it; like... it's on a base. It's six hundred sixty pounds. How are you supposed to flip it over? Well, because each part turns independently. Do you know how a Rubik's Cube works? Yeah, no, but the whole... You, you can turn each three of the ones that sh are shown on the screen as twisting, but you can't turn the other part. How do you know that? Well, how would you? It's 660 how do, pounds. How does a Rubik's Cube Are you work? saying like the whole thing lifts up and flips over? No, each part turns. Like, have you, you used a Rubik's Cube? Yeah, have you? You can't yes. turn the bottom. Yeah, you, yeah, you can. can't turn the bottom. No, no it's not functional. It's well, not a functional had, like, Rubik's Cube. Well, I thought... I can't I believe we're arguing over a Rubik's Cube. That's just stupid. But, I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe the bottom maybe the bottom moves. Maybe that platform moves. Anyway. Maybe, perhaps, the platform. I'll give Pauline you that. Perhaps the platform with you. moves. And you know what? I admit when I could be wrong. The puzzle was examined by it the happened. Guinness World Records officials. It is confirmed <laughs> to be the largest Rubik's Cube Well, then that's lame. The it's not really a Rubik's Cube if it doesn't turn. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah. You know what? I'm wrong. Most Are likely you? wrong. Well, probably well, I mean, wrong. It I have would to do seem... research to find out if I'm wrong, but it's uh, it's not looking good for my cause. No. Uh -uh. It isn't. Anyway, largest Rubik's Cube. So there you have it. Uh-huh. Let's go to space. Oh, but first, Jim's comments kind of funny. We're having our first fight. No, <laughs> our we're first not. After party. No, we're no, not. We've had others. <laughs> we've had others. They just haven't been yeah. live. They haven't been local. They haven't been arguments where you live. No, we've had live ones on the air before too, haven't oh, we? Oh, have we? I we've had disputes. Track. We've had lovers. Who I'm arguing with. <laughs> after partying is hard. It is true. It is true. Sometimes yeah. after partying doesn't go to plan. Although Doug agrees with me. Mm. Anyway, all right. Let's go to space. Take me to the outer world. <laughs> <laughs> like right now? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm over this. Two U.S. firms uh, are to launch spacecraft to the moon within weeks of each other. Do you know about this? There you go. A is pair of, are they really going to the moon or is it fake? <laughs> I don't know. Is fake it like news. a fake moon landing with a fake <laughs> Rubik's Cube? It's now I don't know what to believe. I'm disillusioned, Kim. I it's know. Only it's Wednesday. all my fault. Look what I've done. Uh, I didn't say it was your fault, but if you want to take it. all, do you know how to use a Rubik's Cube? Of course I know how to use a Rubik's Cube. If they claim it's the world's largest Rubik's Cube, like it would have to be a functional Rubik's Cube. That's like that's like making a model of something and be like, it's the largest car and it's not a car, right? It's just like, anyway. That's what I'm saying. very disappointing. Yeah. A pair of companies are planning to launch uncrewed spacecraft to the moon within weeks of each other early next year in a NASA-funded effort that could mark the first soft landings for the United States on the lunar surface since the last of the Apollo missions in 1972. But in a sign of how the commercial space industry is transforming exploration, the companies are also vying for another historic first. What do you think it is, Kim? Uh, Uranus? Uh, no. <laughs> they both want to be the first to oh, land on the moon. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, of the uh, between the two on January 8th, uh, Astrobotic, a company based in Pittsburgh, is scheduled to launch its Peregrine uh, spacecraft on the inaugural launch of the Vulcan oh. rocket, which is I operated like the by Peregrine name. That's yeah, cool. Uh, operated by United Launch uh, Alliance, a joint venture of Lockheed Martin and Boeing. Oh. Uh, big money. Um, then in mid um, fe February, February, uh, from an, there are a lot of things that are happening in February, February lately. You notice that? 
um, from another pad at Cape Can uh, Canaveral in Florida. Uh, Intuitive Machines is set to launch its lander on SpaceX's Falcon 9 rocket. Oh, okay, so that's going to be a Elon Musk edition. Do you think his uh, machine's actually going to be functional? Do you think the bottom's actually going to turn? Mm. Uh, I, think, I think the bottom will turn. Will turn, yeah. Or no, it'll probably blow up. <laughs> uh, the missions are related to NASA's Artemis program, which intends to return astronauts to the lunar surface. But these missions are part of an effort called the Commercial Lunar Payload Services Program, which is aimed to send cargo and science experiments to the moon. In announcing the program five years ago, then NASA Administrator Jim uh, Bridenstine said that he wanted to harness the capabilities of private industry to go quickly and inexpensively. What we're going here, uh, what we're going here, uh, let's start over. What we're going for here, that's right, is What we have speed. here is a situation. Slow down, John. What we're going for here <laughs> is speed, he said at the time. Several companies are eligible to compete for the $2.6 billion worth of contracts over 10 years. Mm -hmm. And after years of delays, the first missions are finally happening with more to come. So there you go. That's okay. your space news. Well, this next story is one of those where you think, why is she telling me this? And then somehow this phrase will come up in conversation. Maybe you're at a New Year's party. Maybe you're at a cocktail gathering. Uh -oh. And someone says it, and then you have this tidbit of knowledge. And you can thank you? us here at the After Party Live. Where are you going with this? The question is, who owns the phrase, rich as F-word? Rich as oh. beep. Mm -hmm. wow. There's a lawsuit over this phrase. Penguin Random House is accused of trademark violations over this upcoming book, Rich AF, Rich As. Who's Beep. suing them? Like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos? No. <laughs> They're being sued by financial influencer Amanda Francis for oh, allegedly stealing her signature phrase in an upcoming book. So she, Amanda, a self-proclaimed thought leader on financial empowerment, thought claims leader. in a new lawsuit. That's, That's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be Rich a thought leader. A lot of thought um, into that. Yeah, a lot of things. She put a lot of time and effort in. Uh, she claims in a new lawsuit that the publisher copied aspects of her brand in the upcoming book, Rich AF, Rich as Beep, by Vivian Tu. The complaint filed in court in New York on Tuesday, uh, AF, as Beep, has become ingrained in pop culture as an acronym for the phrase as F word, right? The central part of Francis's brand since she founded AF Incorporated. According to the complaint, she has used the term in online courses and blog posts, even merchandise available on her site. She says that Penguin Random House contacted her about the possibility of publishing a book together. She decided it would be more lucrative for her to self publish. And so she released her book in December of 2020, her ebook called Rich as beep. But now she says the publisher uh, that she's accusing of trademark violations uh, used nearly the identical promotional images. The front cover of the book shows her in a white bathtub filled with dollar bills, while a promotional image for two's book features her in a bathtub filled with money as well. Oh no. Her lawsuit says she has the France, the Francis has trademark rights to the phrase rich as beep under New York state law. Her state trademark couldn't be immediately verified, but she's filed three applications to trademark it. Uh, one was denied. The other two are still pending. Does she have a case? Rich as F word? I don't know. Well, you know, it's not like I spent that time during that story to look up the Guinness World Record uh, specifications for the world's largest <laughs> Rubik's Cube. <laughs> But for the purposes, because I, mean, I can let things go. You have a disagreement with John Daly, and he'll come at you with proof. Well, according to GuinnessWorldRecords.com, for the purposes mm -hmm. of this record, a Rubik's Cube is defined as a 3D mechan uh, mechanical puzzle resembling a cube that can be turned and twisted in all directions. Oh. Well, Lori said it doesn't say largest functioning Rubik's Cube. Yeah, but, uh, you know, this is... Uh, you know, this is this is what uh, Guinness World Records is saying. I would show you the video, but then they would uh, come after us. Um, they always come after us. I want to see you pick up a 662-pound Rubik's Cube to flip it over. We'll see if that works out. <laughs> I don't know. know. That, that, they, got the, they got the record, and, you know, they're sticklers. Those people are sticklers. <laughs> Tell um, me about the missing fingers, because I'm perplexed yeah, by this if I next keep, story. If I keep up like I am today, I may be missing a finger by the end of the show. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
many what is pre- happening? Pre- Many prehistoric caffeine is happening. Many prehistoric handprints <laughs> show a finger missing, and <laughs> it's probably the middle one. What if uh, this was not accidental? Canadian scientists say evidence from cave art all over the world shows digits that may have been ritually uh, removed to appease the deities or to what? aid in social cohesion. That's right. Men and women that we bond by chopping our fingers off. Well, at the end, I guess men and women. Uh, might have had their fingers deliberately chopped off during religious rituals in prehistoric times, according to a new interpretation of Paleolithic cave art. Uh, people have a lot of time on their hands. In a paper presented at a recent meeting for the European Society of Human Evolution, uh, that's a very niche uh, event, researchers mm. point to a 25,000-year-old painting in France, or multiple paintings in France and Spain that depict silhouettes of hands. On more than 200 of these prints, the hands lack at least one digit. In some cases, only a single upper segment is missing. In others, several fingers are gone. In the past, this absence of digits was attributed to artistic license by the cave painting creators. They're like, oh yeah, he was a very prolific cave painter. Maybe they were just really bad artists. (laughs) He's like, I don't know how to draw fingers, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, And um, they were saying that maybe it's real ancient people's you know medical problems right including including frostbite maybe they were yeah frostbite hunter gatherers maybe they had you know they had their they had a lot of accidents and maybe they got hungry they needed a snack interchanges Um, with animals there is compelling evidence that these people may have had their fingers amputated deliberately in rituals intended to elicit help from supernatural entities nor was the habit unique to one time or place quite a few societies encourage fingers to be cut off today and have i don't know who are the, mm. <laughs> who are the societies that Chop are doing it, it today? My finger. I like Good how luck. they set that in. And I've done so throughout uh, history. Those are probably the secret societies. Oh, I guess uh, in New Guinea, they're still doing it. Women no. uh, there sometimes have one or more fingers cut off following the death of loved ones, including sons no. or daughters. We believe that Europeans were doing the same uh, sort of thing in Paleolithic times, though the precise, uh, precise belief system involved may have been different. This is a practice that was not necessarily routine, uh, but has occurred at various times throughout history, we believe. So let's not get that started. Uh, let's leave that in the past. Yeah. How about this? Speaking of talk about spiders. Speaking of ill. There oh. is this spider. He's called the Joro spider. J-O-R-O. Yeah. The Joro spider is now in America and it's spreading. So that's black and yellow the joro spider it can measure up to eight inches across so he's a big boy uh it first came to the southern u.s by way of east asia in shipping containers it is a spindly legged interloper known so for their it was ability going to india i've heard this oh, yeah. story before right yeah so they got waylaid here right, no, it's not india sorry no um this spider is known for its ability to use their webs as parachutes giving them the nickname of the ballooning spider so basically they fly okay it's a it's a flying eight inch spider if that's not terrifying enough i don't even know what is apparently though it doesn't like humans, so it will try to avoid you. And I if, can it, relate. if it bites you, it's not going to kill you. So it's not one of these right. black widows or brown recluse kind of deals. Um, but it's spreading, and it's spread from the East Coast. It's now headed toward Canada, last spotted in Those the tri-state seem, area. Um, unnecessarily long. Right. That's what I think. Right. God, awful. I mean, that's what the world needs, more spiders. It's in New York now uh, and New Jersey. It just recently infested there and it's headed to Canada. I'm going I mean, to New York. I'm going Wish to New York. Well, going everyone. To the bright city lights. Um, yeah. This <laughs> if I can spider... make it here, if I can freak people out here, I can freak people out anywhere. <laughs> this spider is spreading like wildfire and it will eat just about anything that's caught in its web. Wow. So, um, yeah, they they like to stay outside. They don't like to come inside your house. That's another good thing. That's good. Yeah, they eat um they eat pretty big things though. Their fangs are too small to penetrate human flesh, okay, but they can, they, can eat, ask. they can eat a cockroach, you okay. know, they they can eat some some pretty chunky insects. So, good. that's the Joro spider and probably it'll be everywhere coming soon to a theater near you. Oh man. Mm. Uh yeah, uh, I think it's time <laughs> no, to move no, on. No. It's so creepy. Uh, 
Okay, this next story is about fakes, and it's another AI story. We can't avoid AI. Every day, there's like more and more AI stories. AI can now tell if your Louis Vuitton handbag is fake. Uh Uh-oh. Have you ever wondered if that Chanel bag you bought from a vintage reseller was legit? You may now be able to know for sure, thanks to artificial intelligence. Entropy uh, Entropy is a technology service that uses AI to authenticate designer handbags and sneakers in the resale market to ensure that customers are buying the real thing. Since it was founded in 2012, the company says that the AI technology has been used by hundreds of vintage resellers as of December 2020, according to its website. And interest in the AI tool may continue to grow as businesses seek to cash in on all the AI hype. Currently only available to resellers of luxury goods, Entropy... Uh, hmm claims it is a tool that can authenticate products from luxury brands like uh, Balenciaga, Burberry, Gucci, and Louis Vuitton. Uh, Using the AI could be a way for luxury resellers to build trust with their customers who may be wary of buying products that aren't real. That's not fake. That's real. That's real, real, baby. They claim a 99.1% accuracy rate. When I was in high school, before I knew that it was wrong to do this, (laughs) Uh-oh. My family used so your to your life my, of crime. Are you coming clean? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> rebel. I'm a lawbreaker. <laughs> my dad used to live in Southern California, and so we would go. My sister and I would go visit him after Christmas, and we would go to spend our New Year's in Ensenada, Mexico. And oh. the, it was at the time when um, Dooney and Burke purses were really in, like one, the one with the little duck on it, and. You'd go, we would go there, and they had all these fakes. All every store had fake Dooney and Burke. That's Bork not versus. real, that's fake. And I had, I they were so cheap, they were like, I don't know, seven dollars for a purse. And I think I had f- bought four or five of them in all different colors. So I had all these Dooney and Burke fakers that matched every outfit, outfit but they looked real, You're right? Yeah, anyway, now I wouldn't do that now, but you know. Back then, wow. I thought I was pretty. I thought I was something special. Well, I mean, you could afford it, I guess, as a kid, right? Yeah. Well, You're using no. your own money. Yeah, I was. I was working. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh. So you weren't using a gift card. I wasn't, but I could have been, and I will be, because did you know there's a national gift card day? No. Like yeah, it's the day them? where you're supposed to get out there and spend that gift card. Uh, because so many gift cards go unused. As a matter of fact, billions of dollars wasted in these gift cards. And the laws are different in every state about how, you know, in some states, gift cards expire. So you pay cash for something, not in California, but in some, like six months later, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. Americans spend about $30 billion on gift cards during the holiday season. But uh, National Retail Federation officials say restaurant gift cards are the most popular, making up a third of those sales. Most of the gift cards will be redeemed. A company called Paytronics tracks restaurant gift card sales. They say about 70% of them are used within six months of the receipt Mm -hmm. of them. But many cards, and we're talking tens of billions of dollars worth, are forgotten or unused and the life of a gift card, they say, gets more complicated with expiration dates or inactivity fees that vary state to yeah, state. Yeah, I was going to mention it's kind of like an inactivity fee, but there are certain cards, and I think it might still be legal in California. Um, it's those cards where you buy, like, there's a cash value on them, but you can spend them anywhere. I would steer like, clear like of those. A visa, like a Visa card? Yeah, yeah, unless you're very careful and you look at all the terms, be very careful because there's somewhere it's like there's an inactivity service charge where they start uh-huh. charging you like a monthly fee like a bank account type fee so and slowly I, draining the account. It's true. I mean, it, it's what's the point? I was going to buy my nephew. He really likes to, he's a, a 12 year old boy and he loves fishing. Okay. So I was going to buy him this gift card to the store. He likes in Oregon. It's a fishing place, a fishing, like does he live in Oregon? Place. No, but he loves this particular store. Oh, you can buy online. Yeah. Are you forcing this online. child <laughs> go to Oregon? Hey, is he likes it. And so I went online and I looked at this fishing place and they say you have to use it within six months or it expires. And I thought, there's no way. 
it, but it's sold in California, but it's an Oregon store. Yeah, they can't do that. I don't think if no. they sell it. So anyway. I just decided to give him cash instead oh. because I didn't want to have him have to, to deal it. with. I mean, a 12 year old boy trying to, you know, figure out the rules of the gift card. No, You're like, thanks. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no, you know, so, we, we, we need to say thanks sometimes. Oh, can we, we need can to we, say thanks? How is that $10 from Calvin Wong? Satan, Satan, if I sell you my soul, will I win the Powerball today? Well, Calvin, you've been such a disciplined disciple that, you know what, I will increase your odds to two in 362 million. <laughs> there you go. Have fun. Wow, Satan. That's awesome. Thank you, Calvin. All right. Uh, I think we have someone else to thank, too, since we're do- we're doing this in the middle of the story. Let's go for gold because Doug. Yeah, we try not to let him hang too long. Doug slapped down a $5 super sticker. Thank, thank you, you, Doug. Doug. And thank you, Calvin. And thank Same you, guys. Likes Doug as well. Shout out to Doug. <laughs> okay, back to gift cards. Um, these gift cards, uh, This there was a bank rate survey that found 47% of U.S. adults had at least one unspent gift card or voucher with an average value of $187. That would be a total of $23 billion. Do you have any gift cards sitting around? Uh, no, I try to... I try to avoid them, um, although I do buy my mom a Macy's gift card every year because she likes to come into the city and it makes her feel special like, sure. to go to Macy's. Um, although my sister made a really good point when I sh- she opened it. She's like, better do it before they file for bankruptcy because oh. right? <laughs> Macy's is perpetually in trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think she's safe for the next couple of months. Um, and then um, like I bought my sister one for TJ Maxx, but I don't really care for them. I try to avoid them. Yeah, I have a bunch. I have a bunch of restaurant gift cards sitting in a little envelope that I haven't spent yet. It's like you're creating extra work. Mm, Yeah, there's a federal law that went into effect in 2010 saying a gift card cannot expire for five years from the time it was purchased or from the last time someone added money to it. Some states are longer um, in New York. Any gift card purchased after December 10th of 2022 can't expire for nine years. But again, all states are different. And so because of this, so you don't let your gift card linger, there is a national use your gift card day. This is a five-year-old event uh, created by a public relations executive and now backed by retailers. The next one is January 20th of 2024. That is the national use your gift card day. So let's all use our gift cards by then and and, and get them out of the uh, circulation. There you go. By the way, did you know that if you don't want your gift card, you can sell it? They have websites that will buy your gift card, card cash or raise. I've never experienced that. So that might be scammy. But just so you know, you can check it out and make sure that you are very careful. before. I guess you're selling it for less than it's worth. I would imagine that's how they make money. Yeah. yeah, Otherwise, why would they do it? Scott saying, hey, y'all, just watch two ads for the YouTube revenue. Thank you, Scott. We can use all the cash that we can get. Jim saying, I usually re-gift my gift card to the office white elephant. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, very good. Might as well. I don't know. I mean, I like a good gift card. I like an Amazon gift card. I'll spend those right away. Yeah. I have gift cards, which I've had for 15 years or more. I forget to use them or they're for stores I rarely go to and I forget about them. That's a comment from Sandy. Um, Sandy, If you're listening on the podcast, sometimes we forget. Some people aren't watching. Thanks for the comment, Sandy. I I've had gift cards for Babies R Us, and then they went out of business. And I've had uh, gift cards for Barnes and Noble, and then for a while they went out of business. I think they're now just slowly coming back. But I don't know if you can use old gift cards for the new store. Vanessa reminds everyone to smash that like button. Uh, yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. We'll, yes, we'll thank see you. if you smash it with your iron rod. Oh, Scott slapping down a $5 super sticker. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. And Scott also is asking if John's mom, mom for an interview. No, please, <laughs> please, no. <laughs> oh, watching YouTube ads. Thank, you, thank you so much. We appreciate that. I couldn't even get my mom to listen to the morning show on KGO when I produced it. You know, it's oh. like, oh, you got like this big promotion. You're in charge of like the most important show on KGO. And she's a huge yeah. KGO, you know, person. But she's like, no, I like Pat. I listen to Pat. Oh, look at that. My mom leaves our show on when she leaves the house on her she has a like a google you know like a, yeah like an alexa but it's a google home oh, okay thing. oh i see 
and she'll say, Google, play the after party live. And it plays us on our podcast. And then she'll, she will listen to it, but then she'll leave the house and turn it up so that it sounds like people are talking in the home and no one will rob her. Oh, interesting. That nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we take a, we're break, an anti-theft device. <laughs> before uh, we take a break, Mama Day Three Boys says, I got a $25 Macy's gift card once from my boss. I was a line cook. I couldn't afford to shop at Macy's. What could you even buy for that much? A pair of socks. That's funny you say that because <laughs> I got a $25 uh, Macy's gift card one time. And I just kept going around in circles because I couldn't figure out what to buy with it. And I didn't want to spend more money. And like shirts, shirts are there, like, what, like $30, like $40. And finally, I think I bought either underwear or socks. That's funny. Yeah, now like there's a lot socks. of things. And Mails, Macy's has great sales. So you can find some things there. Yeah. This, they're a little, uh, their nose is a little less high now. They're a little, a little more come, humbled. Come down to earth. Right. We have a story next that knocks my socks off. It's one of these sci-fi horror stories come to life. We will talk about it right after we break. Uh, again, thank you for the contributions. We really appreciate all of that. Um, we'll be right back after, what, 28 seconds? Uh, no, these are a little longer. Do you want um? Do you want Satan or do you want Archie? Mm, Satan, please. S- Satan, uh, fifty-three. <laughs> Clocking in at fifty-three seconds. This All right Satan. then. Hey everybody, it's your friend Satan. Love me or hate me, the after party live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute ten, fifteen, twenty dollars. $666. It would keep this party very, very hot and heavy. Any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up, isn't that the truth? The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. I know what you're thinking, why should I be tempted by the devil, but come on guys, it's not like I'm asking you for your soul. <laughs> a party where you don't even have to leave the house you could be naked for all we care the after party live <laughs> thank yeah. you for that thank you he for should the have gift said, that he should have said six dollars and 66 cents um what did he yeah, say he was thinking big you know 666, oh, 666 but yeah. if you want to give 666 that's we'll i'm okay it. with that we'll right take it Huge yeah. thank you to our ongoing contributor, Meredith D., and also Kathleen G. We so appreciate you helping us fund this show. Also, Doug, a slapping down that $5 super sticker. Very, very appreciated. Uh, Calvin, throwing in a $10 super sticker. Yeah, and uh, get a little help with Powerball, too. And Scott with a $5 super sticker and also watching the YouTube ads for us. Thank you, Scott. You have yeah, if you don't play it, you can't win it. That's the way it is. That's my oh, too. Here we have uh, my son Jacob hanging out because you know it's winter break, and so all the kids are home from school. And apparently, a closed door with a sign on the front that says "Mommy's, Mommy's busy." <laughs> Nintendo on the TV. Can, I will turn it back. Yeah, Dad's you can play the you can play the Nintendo on the TV. Someone needs a little discipline. <laughs> i don't think you could hear you satan but i can and i appreciate it that's all that matters uh okay let's talk about this sorry for the interruption everybody let's talk about this tesla robot situation because this story scared the hell out of me yeah what we have here is a situation um tesla's robot attacks an engineer oh, wait, at the company's wait wait wait, wait. Vanessa coming in with a six dollars sixty six cents. Yeah, shout out to Vanessa, rock and roll. <laughs> shout out to Vanessa Pacheco. Thank Hi, you, Vanessa. Like That's you. awesome. We love it. Very cool. Thank you. You know, if you would think that we're evil people, the way that we celebrate Satan on this show, we're really not. But Satan's one of our our characters, so we you know we bring him in. Very yeah. nice. Um, okay, I'm sorry. So I interrupted you. Uh, Tesla. Ooh, scary. <laughs> Ooh, scary. Elon Musk. Ooh, I stay away from that guy. A Tesla engineer was attacked by a robot during a brutal and bloody malfunction. We shouldn't be laughing. A brutal and bloody malfunction at the company's Giga Texas factory near Austin. Yeah. Um, and this, these are the robots. So do you see the, the red things at the top? These arms yeah. with the black connectors on them? Okay. Two witnesses watched in horror as... Their fellow employee was attacked by the machine. It's a machine designed to grab and move freshly cast aluminum car parts. The robot had pinned the man who was then oh. 
programming software for two disabled Tesla robots nearby before sinking its metal claws into the worker's back and arm, Ew. leaving a trail of blood on, along the factory surface. The incident, which left the victim with an open wound on his left hand, was revealed in a 2021 injury report filed to Travis County and federal regulators, which has been reviewed by DailyMail.com. While no other robot-related injuries were reported to re regulators by Tesla at the Texas factory in either in 2021 or 2022, the incident comes a mere years of heightened concerns of the risk of automated robots in the workplace. That's pretty scary, right? That's Reports really of increased scary. injuries due to robotic coworkers at Amazon shipment centers, killer droid surgeons, self-driving cars, we know that one, and even violence from robotic chest instru uh, instructors have led some to question speedy integration of new technology. The injury report, which Tesla must submit to authorities by law to maintain its lucrative tax breaks in Texas, claimed the engineer did not require time off of work. Oh, come on. What kind of environment are you in where you don't get time off for being stabbed yeah. and dragged by, a, by their a robot. equipment i wonder if he was in the wrong place like if you put himself you know because they probably don't have sensors to figure out when someone's walking through well if he was programming these things you would think that they would have some kind of yeah some mm. kind of detector um all these ai you know the the, the car people and the robot they yeah. need to build in like hey that's a human there needs to be like a subroutine that can identify humans and be like oh nope uh, but one attorney who represents Tesla's Giga fact, uh, Texas contract workers has told DailyMail.com she believes, based on her conversations with workers there, that the number of injuries suffered at the factory is going underreported. I believe mm. that. This underreporting, the attorney said, even included a September 28, 2021 death of a construction worker who had been contracted oh, to help build the factory itself. My advice would be to read that report with a grain of salt, uh, according to the uh, the attorney for the nonprofit Workers Defense Project. We've had multiple workers who were injured. And one worker who died whose injuries or death are not in these reports that Tesla is supposed to be accurately completing and submitting to the county in order to get these tax incentives. The construction worker contractor named An Antelmo Ramirez died of heat stroke while helping build Tesla's over 2,000 acre long Giga Texas factory, according to a report from the medical examiner. I saw another criticism, I don't know if it's in this story, is that they were still building this factory while they were putting it into operation. Oh wow! Which many experts say, like you don't do that, right? Mm -mm. You don't you don't start up a factory before the building's finished. No, um, and it looks like they weren't they weren't getting appropriate training. They were simply sent PDF files or images of certificates through text or WhatsApp in a matter of days. Um, wow! So false safety certificates. Um, this really sounds this this sounds like uh, Elon Musk. He just wants things to get done, right? And there's a lot of pressure, so wow. these things just get done. You remember yeah. when um remember when they weren't following the COVID protocol in the East Bay at the factory? Yeah, and he just said, "That's it. Then we're sh we're going to shut it down. No one gets paid. Nothing." Yeah, but before that, he kept it going, right? And then ABC Seven had a helicopter over mm -hmm. it that morning, and I was working KGO, and we were watching the TV feed from ABC Seven. We could see that there was a helicopter over the factory, and there's yeah. hundreds of cars there when they're supposed to be closed, right? Yeah. And um, so uh, we had somebody filling in for Pat Thurston, and I mentioned it, and um. And she was interviewing Robert Reich, former labor secretary. Mm -hmm. And I told her and she told Robert Reich and he tweeted about it. And that like blew up into a Twitter mm -hmm. tweet storm and got the East Bay health officials out there and they shut down the factory. Yeah. And it's really funny because a couple of days later, I was telling the story to my friend who is an attorney for Tesla. He said, oh, you're the a-hole. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're the reason why I got a phone call at four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, you're welcome. But well, yeah, they and didn't then, care. They're very honey badger about everything, yeah. right? They just do and whatever that, they want. That whole thing, it was the the catalyst. Elon Musk's, you know, right. getting upset with the California government right. uh, was the catalyst for him picking up and taking his marbles to Texas. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I did my part. There you, so you, go. Say, you see something, you say something, right? Let's Let's move on to this winner. This is a guy who's still single. Oh, I thought you were going to the Dolly Parton story. I'm like, oh, oh, no, no, no. This, this is not no. a good story. This is a guy who who's still single, but he's managed to impregnate more than 180 women through sperm donation. Ugh. It's a man from the UK. He says he's impregnated almost, well, 180. He says almost 200 women, uh, but he can't find a partner himself. 
he attributes his perennial seed spreading. He said it makes women <laughs> jealous that he's has so many babies. His DNA is all over the place. So women are jealous of that. And they're permission to be superficial, Kim. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, this guy is like, really? I'm sorry. But you think all these women are like, oh, yeah, sign me up for that hottie. Um, this kind of reminds me of the people that go around naked in San Francisco, like yeah. imposing on other people. It's like some kind of sick fetish. Yeah. Right. The fact that oh, you don't want people to know because you think women are jealous. So you're getting written up in a newspaper article that's going to go international. Right. Because yeah. you don't want people to know. No, you're trying to force this upon feel, everybody. You don't feel bad for donor Joe. Donor Joe. Donor Joe is 51. Or Joner Doe. <laughs> donor joe he says it's very hard to find someone who can tolerate this lifestyle really it's a lifestyle to be a sperm donor all right uh people you say they can handle he's it publicizing it he it's is. his choice he doesn't have to publicize it he he says, pe people say they can handle it but it makes people very jealous, jealous a woman what? wants a woman wants a man to devote themselves to their child and i've got so many of them he's not taking care of those kids though no. Nothing in the story makes sense. He's a sense. sperm donor. He's not a dad. He's a sperm donor. This guy uh, just wants he, attention. He calls himself the angel of the north due to his mission to help oh, women gross. conceive. He's a gross. they call him a prolific pollinator. Is there a he shortage has, of sperm? I don't think I, so. Oh. How many the, billion people are there in the world? Donor Joe, who again is 51 years old, has fathered more than 180 kids within 13 years. Yeah, there's 7.8 billion people. Why do they keep on picking on him? I'm picking him. Yeah, picking him. I, was, I don't know. Because you do <laughs> get meaning. like they I've known people who've used a, a sperm donor before that I have a uh, friends that are a same sex couple and they get these files that you know, you look at the person's picture and they give you their description and they're, they talk about their education and whether they're athletic and what their background is and their medical history. And so basically you have all the statistics on them and you maybe pick someone who you think is closer to your background. So maybe the child has a chance of looking like you or I don't know, whatever. But yeah, I don't know why he would be picked a hundred. Yeah, I think his form is just kind of blank. It's like, nope. Nope. He's not paid for his sperm. Nope. He goes all over the place, everywhere Shocker. from the United States to Argentina to Singapore to uh, to spread so out. So he's those paying seeds. for this. So he, yeah, it's an ego yeah. thing. I'm going to New York to Kathleen spread asks, my what if, the, what if two of his kids meet and fall in love and don't know they're related? Yeah, there's just that's yeah. right. That's why it's dangerous. That's why they need to know who each other is. This uh, comes as women, they say, are increasingly turning to private sperm donors to circumvent having to go the artificial insemination and in vitro oh. routes, the latter of which can cost, uh, well, yeah, $11,000. SF Tesla like saying you can't donate sperm over the age of 35. Is that is that a U.S. thing maybe? But in this case, this is private. They're not doing it through official channels. Or maybe there are different rules. <laughs> official channels. And I didn't know that you These couldn't These aren't going through official sperm, sperm channels. Why wouldn't you would be, be able like to donate? Difference. Why is there an age limit on sperm? I, um, maybe it's motility or the chance of genetic I mean, problems, as long maybe? as it's healthy. I know that the older... I've read studies that older fathers... They have processes, uh, protocols, and standards. There's a higher chance <laughs> of something going... Yeah. But, but it's not the same as a woman. And so, you know... Yeah, you know but that's your personal risk that you're taking. And, you know, if you're going to have a commoditized um, product, you know... Well, he's sad the best that he has... The best. He hasn't found a life partner. Apparently, yeah. he has romantic troubles, but he has no sperm troubles. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Calvin saying he could be lying on his profile to keep doing listen, listen to this. He says most of the women that he's dated were originally clients of his. Oh. So they already have his baby. They they say it's reverse dating because they already technically. So it's the father of their child the and they want nothing to do with him. It might They're be like, him. yeah, I don't really want to date you. It's too bad I already have your kid. Yeah, I'm hoping he says, I'm hoping I will one day meet that special someone who can accept me for who I am. Agreed. Someone who wants to have children and can accept my scores of children that I already have. For now, his ultimate goal is to help women who can't conceive. There you go. I don't think yeah. that's his ultimate goal. Can we move on from a gross story to a wonderful story? Please do. And this next one is uh, also for you. Oh, Dolly. I love Dolly Parton. 
Dolly Parton, uh, she wrote American the song Treasure. I Will Always Love You, which she ended up selling to um, Whitney Houston, right? And it became a hit. For some reason, I can't open this page. USA Today won't let, won't let me. But what I can tell you is that there was a man who was on his deathbed and yeah. who um, it was his dying wish to meet Dolly Parton. Uh, he's in Utah, and they're doing he this lays- without. Re- How are you getting all this without reading the story? That's impressive. That's that's all I got. Oh, okay, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's <laughs> impressive. You're telepathically linked to USA Today. I was trying, you know, I'm uh, a professional facing, over here. I was, I was winging stage, it. Uh, yeah, st- <laughs> facing stage four colon cancer. This guy's name is Legrand. Legrand Gold. Um, quite the name. He held on to his dream of meeting his idol Dolly Parton. He got to do just that in a video call with the Grammy-winning country music legend. She called the Utah man on Friday, chatted with him, and even sang to him, all while Gold's oh. wife captured the heart heartwarming moment. Now, Isn't the funny she thing is, this sweetest. That is we're gonna so play. Nice. We're gonna play um, an excerpt of it. We have the we have the video. Um, I've edited it down to one thirty-five, but I don't need to think that Dolly only talked to him for a minute and a half. So it, it, they went on for like four or five minutes, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but his wife was like really close to the phone, and she kept on interrupting the poor guy, and he's like drugged oh. out. Um, so I've done my best to snip her out. Okay. okay. Try to isolate just the the uh, husband and Dolly Parton. So, uh, ready to check it out? Yeah. Here it is. Hey, LG. Hey. Dolly P. <laughs> well, I've heard you've been a fan of mine for many years, and I just wanted to thank you for that. Well, it's my honor, too. I understand you're a lawyer. I should have had you on my team. Well, LG, I really thank you for shooting out the word that you'd like to talk to me. I'm just happy that we got to kind of have our journey together in this lifetime. I always want to make people happy with my music and with the things I do and the things I say. And I'm just happy to know that I've touched your life in some way. So thank you for honoring me with that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you've been a huge help, especially these past two years. Well, all right. Well, I hope all of you have a good holiday season. I guess if you ain't feeling too good, it won't be as good as it ought to be but i just hope this lifts your spirits a little bit and uh thank you for letting me be your traveling companion and i'll continue to travel on with you how's that lg i'll thank you dolly okay well you take care and uh, just know that i will always love you oh <laughs> okay well i, I should have sung that shouldn't i i will always love you That is the sweetest. She is the wow. sweetest person. As if it was like possible to love her even more, mm-hmm. right? Even if you don't like her style of music, like how could you not adore her? And she talked she so much that, that she made it not awkward because, you know, when someone yeah. is not feeling well, maybe they're not yeah. as talkative and the conversation lags and right. she just filled up all she those gaps. She's yeah. amazing. Because he was kind of drugged out. It was like early in the morning. Um, very, very cool. Um, yeah. Someone who is popular, but I don't think she's as sweet from what I've heard. Uh, Mariah oh, Carey, no. her, All I Want for Christmas is You, scored the 14th week at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is pretty crazy. So notably, the modern Yuletide standard is Carey's third Hot 100 leader of at least 14 weeks as she becomes the first artist in the chart's history with three such number ones. She previously wow. reigned for 16 weeks with One Sweet Day with Boys to Men. In 1995-96, and for 14 weeks with We Belong Together until 2005, Christmas has ruled the Hot 100 for over five holiday seasons. It was originally released on Carrie's album Merry Christmas in November 1994, and as streaming has grown and holiday music has become more prominent on streaming services playlists, it hit the top 10 uh, for the first time in December 2017. And, and how old led... is this song? I mean, this yeah, the song is 94. old. And it, yeah, yeah it keeps, it's like a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, it's now led the holiday, uh, holidays in 2019 for three weeks, 2020 for two weeks, 2021 for three weeks, 2022 yeah. for four weeks, and um, 2023 for two to date. Um, yeah, elsewhere, uh, Jose Feliciano's Feliz Navidad returns to the Hot 100's top 10, dashing from, see what they did there, dashing from number 12 to number nine. And in all, nine seasonal songs are on the Hot 100's top 10 um, 
tying for the most in a single week. Nine holiday hits first decorated the tier on the chart dated 20, uh, January 2nd, 2021. Um, so this includes all genre U.S. streaming, the Hot 100. So that's pretty impressive. Speaking of Felice Navidad, did you see the video of the governor of Colorado singing that song? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean, he's goofy looking. Anyway, yeah. it's gone viral. All right, let's take let's take a look at this story. This is like every parent's nightmare. You're sleeping. Your kid gets up in the middle of the night. What are they doing? You think everyone's going to wake up around the same time? You know, right. maybe they're going to wake up early and want to go out to the Christmas tree and your see your kids get up early, right? Day. I never did that. Jacob does that. Yeah, Julia. Yeah, I'm like, teenager. I was She'll like, I was like a unionized kid. I'm like, no, eight a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was six in the morning and we hear, let's get up, let's get up. It's Christmas, it's Christmas. Well, this baby, this is a a, a toddler, I think three years old, a, a preschool age child. Okay. Got up early, three in the morning, decided that he wanted to open up every single Christmas present under the tree. Yeah, three-year-old at 3 a.m. He had his own party there opening up all the presents. Yeah. Uh, he unwrapped all of them. The three-year-old found his Spider-Man web shooters and wanted scissors to cut them out of the package. That's when he came into his parents' bedroom asking for right. scissors. And they're like, what is happening? So then they get up and they're like, wait a minute. Look at what just happened. Oh my gosh. They have three children, ages six, three, and one. So... Well, how do you the punish mom, a kid for that on Christmas? You don't. You can't. The child is three. You're doing Christmas any, wrong. They don't know any better. You just explain, you, we don't do this. We have to wait till the family's up. You know, now now we have to try to fix it so your brothers and sisters will be surprised. Whatever. What do you think motivated um, him? Gifts. Being a child. <laughs> he, has, he has a little devil on his shoulder there. No. I don't think it's... little child. I don't think a three-year-old knows that's wrong unless he'd been trying to open them for weeks and kept was kept being told no. Told no. Um, but this boy you have unwrapped... to wait until after midnight on 1225. He's like, okay. <laughs> this this boy unwrapped every single present from the smallest eraser to the biggest box. And the mom said the gifts had taken hours to wrap the night oh, before. Man, and she had used all of her gift wrapping paper. So she had to then piece it all back together for the other kids oh right so she sat up the rest of the night trying to like puzzle oh, piece this whole thing back together oh they're kind of you know not do good you um presents, do you but... carefully uh like open presents so you can save the paper or you just rip it open no i rip it open yeah it my family if my I family really is like a family paper. of like paper savers Oh. Um, although sometimes I'm just like this one, it's it's this like there's paper there from like the 1980s. I, I'm pretty sure it's like it's time it's time to move to on. It's raggedy. I'm, I'm a fan of the bags because we reuse gift bags. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the three-year-old, the parents per lovingly call their midnight perpetrator, said he unwrapped the presents because he didn't want his family to be confused. He wanted us to be able to see our presents so we knew what they were. He said. This is why you can't punish a three-year-old. I mean, this is their thinking. It's not, they're not being mean about it. Yeah. They say, I think he legitimately just felt he was doing a service to everyone. He <laughs> will not do it again next year. We <laughs> have a personal assistant. <laughs> the six-year-old, they say, is very much the rule follower. So the idea someone no. would just go down and open all the presents would be unthinkable to him. Yeah, imagine the, the other kid when they find out. The three-year-old, though, very much the adventurous, ridiculous, no rules, have fun kind of kid. When the husband put the kids back to bed, the wife painstakingly taped the ripped up wrapping paper back together. Having run out of fresh paper, she was careful to put the presents up high on the mantle so the three-year-old couldn't reach them. But that that's crazy. The... <laughs> The the paper, I mean, the just the if we consider that picture again, look at that sea of wrapping paper. I mean, I every single present, the entire this is like the nightmare where you get everything all set and everything's perfect, and then you come out at three in the morning and that's what it looks like. Wild. Look at all that paper everywhere. Man, 
Thank you. We and thanks to for Louise. Louise. $5. All I want for Christmas is for Mariah to go away. Well, you won't hear it here because we no. don't have the rights to the music. No, You're we welcome. don't. Um, need a little bit of clarification here. William Martinez. JD, JD. you're being a dick. Oh. You're going to have to be more specific. I don't know. Did I say something? I don't think... Does he talking about you or somebody else in the chat? Well, I'm JD. Oh, uh, you are JD, but I, I didn't notice you were being one. Hmm. 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 All right. Well... I guess you need to stop doing that, whatever you're if doing. You could be more specific. Be <laughs> We're going to need a little more clarification on the uh, <laughs> the male member there. All right. Okay. Oh, let's get to this next story, which is about caffeine. Caffeine, yeah. Speaking of caffeine. Isn't that a good thing? Caffeine, not so much? What? Caffeine can negatively impact an athlete's decisions. Good thing oh. we're not athletes. Countless people use caffeine uh, as a boost in the morning or in the afternoon for the after party live mm. to get their day started. But noteworthy new research suggests too much caffeine may actually backfire or make you a dick, apparently. Specifically, <laughs> people who participate in sports may be disrupting their own decision-making and problem-solving skills. Um, researchers at Staffordshire University in the UK found that caffeine appears to negatively influence football, soccer players, uh, decisions on the field. In collaboration with scientists from Shiraz University in Iran, uh, study authors uncovered that while consuming caffeine prior to a game can improve the accuracy of football passes, it may also inflict an adverse effect on more tactical plays featuring more passes. Caffeine is one of the most popular dietary supplements that has been shown to provide benefits during exercise, including football, soccer. Uh, studies have shown that caffeine can enhance attention, accuracy, and speed, as well as self-reported measures of energy and mood, according to Dr. Poya Sultani, senior lecturer in games technology at Staffordshire University in a media release. One interesting thing is that they're collaborating with the university in Iran. It's kind of awkward. Um, yeah. However, the effects of caffeine on higher cognitive functions, such as problem solving and decision making, are often debated. So we uh, decided to investigate this, is what they're saying. Um, in all, a total of 12 young soccer players, 16 to 17, participated in the study, which featured a series of tasks aimed at exploring the influence of caffeine on decision-making and passing accuracy. The participants performed five short 10-meter and five long 30-meter passes each, in addition to uh, this low-borough soccer passing test, which works by measuring skills such as passing, dribbling, control, and decision-making. Mm. Next, researchers used a computer task to measure decision-making across various gameplay scenarios. The athletes had to determine the best outcome of 10 simulated pre-recorded uh, pre events. Each team completed the tasks once after taking three milligrams per kilogram body uh, mass of caffeine, and then again after consuming similar amounts of placebo. This approach led to the finding that athletes were 1.67% more accurate in short passes and 13.48% more accurate in long passes after consuming uh, caffeine in comparison to the placebo, while the short pass accuracy remained consistent among all Participants before and after the consumption, the performance varied in the case of long passes. Moreover, hmm. most of the participants scored lower on decision-making and the soccer passing test after consuming caffeine. Which, this may suggest that more complex tasks, such as running an after-party, uh, with a higher number of passes, might be negatively impacted by low doses of a caffeine ingested one hour before playing. Uh, mm -hmm. To be clear, the research team stresses that they are not suggesting athletes avoid caffeine entirely, and they add that further research is warranted regarding the impact of caffeine on in-game decision-making. So I thought that was interesting. An update. Uh, this is an update from William, who says, Sorry, John, I was being difficult about the child opening the presents. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think what we have here is a misunderstanding. Oh. oh okay. Yeah. Okay. So there you have it. Um Oh, and it's just so nice. Scott saying, love the show. I'm glad the glue of KGO lives on. I'll be back for 2024 because I think we're going to need the after party in about nine months. Oh. Hey, where's the merch? We don't have after party merch. Maybe that should be our 2024 goal. Get some after yeah. party merch. Up cool. Going. I mean, we you started to really... design it and then um, I did. you're we kind of just... a, the, the decider when it comes to design elements. I'm more of the implementer. I love our logo. I think it's really cool. Yeah, it kind of looks like a smile. It does. We had like yeah, three I, that we're deciding among, yeah. and that was the one that won. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. But you so, got the beach motif. You got the the blue. 
And when I asked what shade of blue you wanted, you said all the blues, all the blues. And so we have all varying degrees of uh, blue, all the, blues. <laughs> all the blues, all the blues. The I can muster. Sympathy for the devil. I believe Beelzebub is supposed to be a D. Nice job, John. And that's a four ninety nine. Thank you so much. Thank you, Louise. It's, you know, it's my specialty. I've been working on it you know, for a long time. It's my craft. It's my passion. So thank you. <laughs> oh, I don't want it to be over. Is it over? Oh, it is over. Yeah, we went really long oh. yesterday. We went like an hour, ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a bit that was a bit much. Because so. we just have so much fun at the party. We don't want to lose Ain't it. No party like an after party. We should thank That's everybody with the super exactly stickers. Right. Doug, five dollars. Calvin with ten dollars. Scott with five dollars. Vanessa with six six six. Luis uh, with four ninety nine. Uh, and then again with another four ninety nine, appreciate that. And then uh, who are our uh, regular contributors today? We have Meredith D and Kathleen G. And thank you to everyone for supporting the show. Thanks for having fun with us. We really appreciate it. Fights and love and everything in between. Thank you for being part of the After Party Live. And we hope you have a really great afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, John. Thanks, Daly. everybody. I'll try to focus on not being a D. <laughs> have a great day. That's bye, not going to happen. Oh. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>